They say a nation gets the government it deserves. But in the last midterm election, only 36% of eligible voters decided to vote. That's not enough voters to represent the American people. I think we deserve better than that. If you do too, then let's get off our butts and go out and vote. Welcome to 10 Minutes on Democracy. That clip was Patagonia founder Yvonne Chouinard talking before the 2018 midterms about the fact that democracy requires showing up. I'm Jason Franklin, senior advisor at One for Democracy, and today is Tuesday, September 20th. And let's start with talking about the new way Patagonia's founder is back in the spotlight. A month ago, I talked about the $1.6 billion gift by a low-profile Republican financier who donated his electronics manufacturing company to the Marble Freedom Trust, which is run by an influential conservative operator and former Federalist Society leader, Leonard Leo. Well, now it looks like the donation of billion-dollar companies may be coming a trend. More encouraging news, last week, ownership of the $3 billion outdoor apparel company at Patagonia was donated by Yvonne Chouinard and his family to a trust, which will earmark the company's roughly $100 million in annual revenue for climate action and environmental preservation. Now, whether any of those funds get expended on civic education or voter engagement by those who care about the climate remains to be seen. But just like with the gift to the Marble Freedom Trust, it creates a new concentrated source of social capital that is aimed directly at some of the most important and polarized issues of our day. Again, it raises the questions about and the impacts on our society of the hyper-concentration of wealth that's leading individuals to make multi-billion dollar gifts that will transform our future. Now, not only is Chouinard in the news for his donation, but chose that message to start us off today because the question about the midterms is even more pressing. 50 days out from the election, I want to take a moment to respond to a question I got from a podcast listener about how I think things are going and where they're headed. Now, I will say I am not an oracle, and I wish I knew where we were going to land in November. But what we do know is that overall, the races are tightening. Biden's popularity has seen a resurgence. Whether it's enough to overcome, especially for the questions of control of the U.S. House, the impacts of redistricting and the kind of traditional downward pull of whoever is the sitting president has on their party. You generally see the opposition party having a bump during the midterms remains to be seen. Big news out today around just the incredibly heavy spending by Democrats on abortion related political advertising, whether the Dobbs decision striking down Roe v. Wade and finding that there is no fundamental right to privacy will be enough to drive new voters to the polls and overturn any Republican advantage remains to be seen. You're seeing actually abortion begin to wrestle with and perhaps in even some polls overcome the concerns about economics, instability in voters' minds. But where is it heading is always the question. Gas prices are down, but is that just for now? Will we be in a recession by November or not? What will be the supply chain shortages we will face or not? The aversion of the rail strike last week, a big boon, but who knows what will be coming in the next few weeks. What we do know is looking at the overall forecasts that odds for Democrats have really improved. There's now a 70% chance of Democrats retaining control of the U.S. Senate. Most likely outcomes is a 
50-50 split or a 51-49 split. And even if they lose Georgia, they could pick up Pennsylvania and another state. So there's many different permutations of what that looks like, but a half dozen very close races, but improving odds. The same thing, the odds are improving for Democrats to retain control of the House. They're much worse odds. A 26 in 100% chance of Democrats retaining control of the House. So a three in four chance that Republicans regain control, most likely with a couple vote margin. The kind of cluster of possibilities clusters pretty close, five, three, five seats. But there is an increasing chance. A month ago, it was like 13 in 100. Now it's 26 in 100 but it, the odds are against Democrats. So the most likely outcome would be a split legislature. And the last piece on this, somebody asked me if we're seeing, is the Republican wave receding? Are we seeing a Democratic wave? I think we're really in between. We're seeing ripples in both directions. You're seeing the impacts of redistricting that is making both more safe Democratic and more safe Republican seats. So fewer seats in contention. And as Biden's popularity ratings go up a little bit, as policies get passed, it's tightening. But I expect both for this election and ongoing, what we're going to see is a kind of tighter focus and tight back and forth elections outside of any true wave scenario. But a lot can happen in 50 days. So we will see where we land. A couple more things as we look at this week. Just some more signs of, frankly, attacks on our democracy and fundamental social agreements. Sorry not to be uplifting this Tuesday, but Florida Governor Ron DeSantis took Texas Governor Abbott's stunts around immigration to a new level last week. Um, many of you probably have watched where he organized flights that carried about 50 migrants to Martha's Vineyard in Massachusetts. They were flown from outside of San Antonio, Texas to Florida, and then eventually up to Massachusetts. Well, the news right now is that on Monday, investigation broke that those immigrants were actually provided false information to convince them to board the flights. A brochure that they were distributed to them outlined a number of benefits they might be eligible for in Massachusetts. Eight months of cash assistance, assistance with housing, registering their children for school and more. But none of that is true. Those were all benefits that are resettlement benefits available to refugees who've been referred by the UN High Commissioner for Refugees and authorized to live in the US. None of those benefits are eligible in Massachusetts. What's more, they would never be eligible if you get asylum, you may, which can take several years, you may be eligible for some limited financial benefits, but those benefits in the brochure, never available. And if you had been granted asylum, you could have gotten that long list of benefits in Florida or Texas. But the kicker of all this is that DeSantis's team has confirmed they did create that brochure and Bexar County Sheriff, which is in San Antonio, has now opened a criminal investigation into whether they misled those immigrants, the sheriff says there's a very high probability that laws were broken. So more on that will continue to unfold in the days to come. Also, new report out that we are seeing a resurgence in book banning. More than 1,600 titles banned over the last year. And that's mostly because of conservative advocacy groups that are pushing back against titles covering LGBT topics and books with protagonists of color. Over half of those bans were in Texas, followed by Florida and Pennsylvania, kind of the intertwining of the book banning movement with political movements, another concerning development that, that I expect we'll just continue to see more of in the months to come. And last, some updates on state voting rights, kind of a mixed bag this week. 
The most concerning was a federal district court denied challenges to two unusual statutes in Michigan that prohibit hiring transportation to bring people to the polls and prohibit helping people who are not registered voters to fill out an absentee ballot application. The transportation law in particular has been concerning because it gets in the way of providing voters without easy access to public transportation ways to get to the polls. It stops people from organizing voter efforts like souls to the polls or even from Uber or Lyft providing discounted or free rides for any voter, regardless of political affiliation, to get to the polls. That will be appealed, but whether it can be appealed and time remains to be seen. And then over in Delaware, kind of a mixed bag, the court upheld the new same-day registration law but prohibited the voting by mail for no reason. So that'll also be appealed, but unlikely to move forward fast enough to impact the midterm elections. There'll be a handful more cases like this, and really with such a polarized and close set of elections dictating the future of our country and the future of political power after the midterms, these court cases on a state-by-state basis really matter. So that's why I keep paying attention to them. That's all for this week's review of Developments in American Democracy. I'm Jason Franklin. I look forward to talking with you again next week on 10 Minutes on Democracy. Take care.